You are listening to Ecotopia on KCFR 90.1 in Chico. And with us on the phone now is Richie Bamlett. Richie is the Urban Forest Manager for the City of Chico. In addition to being responsible for the care and management and trees of Chico, he's responsible for thinking about the future of trees as we face climate change. Welcome, Richie Bamlett. Hello, Susan. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's really great to have you back again. Likewise, yeah. Thanks for having me back. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start by talking a bit about your job description. What is an urban forester? Sure. Well, you know, an urban forester is really responsible for all of the publicly owned trees that are found growing in the public right away. Um, so that's the you know, within the streetscape um, throughout the whole city. Um, and I'm also involved in helping manage some of our more natural locations, Bidwell Park being the obvious uh, example. Um, so, yeah, currently, basically anything that's green that is publicly owned, you know, I, I have, you know, I'm part of a team um, that helps manage that. You know, my particular wheelhouse is the, the large woody trees, but the, the green landscape obviously is made up of other components such as shrubs and things like that. Um, but yeah, my, my main focus is the, the trees and, and we have plenty of them. We do, and that's a good thing. Um, could you talk a, a little bit about the background that you bring to um, urban forestry? Where did you come Absolutely. from? Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. So I have a degree in ecological science from the Edinburgh uh, Edinburgh University uh, with an honours specialism in forestry mm -hmm. um, and I've also studied urban forestry at Oregon State University. Um, my career began in Scotland and for 15 years I worked in a, a county a municipal setting in, a, in an environment very similar to Butte County actually but obviously a slightly different environment a little little colder and wetter mm -hmm. um, I worked there for 15 years, so got a good grounding in how to work in the municipal sector where there's a lot of public engagement, uh, you know, a lot of recreational uses of the, the natural setting. Um, so I, I got a good learning on how to manage natural settings that are, are heavily used for, for recreation. Um, and uh, then after that, I moved to Florida. I uh, worked in Florida for four years with the Florida Forest Service. Um, again, very very different climate from Scotland. A lot of mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> hot, super hot, humid weather. So I, I uh, later on I'll talk about phenotypic plasticity, uh, what that scientific term means. I definitely found out that I um, uh, don't really like hot, humid weather. And <laughs> that, that my, my genetic makeup is not made for that. So... <laughs> So I found my way to California, where it's not as humid, it's still hot, but mm -hmm. it's, it's a little, bum, little bit more bearable. Um, so yeah, I've been in California for about six years now. Um, before coming up to Chico, I worked in Roseville, and uh, I've been in Chico now uh, just over three years now. Mm -hmm. We're working in the public works operations and maintenance in the street tree division. We spoke with you shortly after you arrived in Chico. Uh, tell us a little bit, yeah. when you first got here, what were some of your major interests and goals? Right. So the first thing that really struck me was the number of service requests that we had. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as you'll be aware, you know, my position was 
unfilled for about five years right. before mm-hmm. I That's finally right. took up the post. Um, Denise Britton was the urban forester before me, and she worked here for about seven years. Um, but during that time, um, you know, day-to-day service requests still keep coming in. You know, branches fall, residents ask for trees to be trimmed, and although the staff did their best to keep on top of those service requests, they started to mount and mount day by day. And mm-hmm. when I first joined, we had 5,000 service requests. Yeah, we yeah. pushed really so, hard to get someone to, um, there are right. a number of people who pushed really yeah. hard to fill that position and get you right. here because it was obvious right. we needed you. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, and I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, I often, when I speak to members of, for example, Chico Tree Advocates, you know, they and they remind me quite often that, you know, I'm here because they got me here. So I'm, they, I'm, I'm always uh, very <laughs> thankful for that. So they And they hold me accountable, which is a good thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so that was one of the main things. We basically tried to clear house with those service requests. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we managed to service a lot of them, but to be honest, some of them were so old, you know, the ones that were five years older and more, um, they've ended up getting archived. Um, so... You know, you know, we think if if the tree was a problem five years ago, if it, if we haven't got to it by now, the tree's probably gone, or it, <laughs> it, mm-hmm. something else has happened. You know, if the resident hasn't called us again, then it's probably taken care of itself. But it probably fell on some f- kid's bicycle. <laughs> right? Yeah. That. That. Yeah. I'll go with that. That's a good <laughs> argument. Definitely. Um, but yeah, we, we, you know, because so, one of the issues was, you know, as you know, with the great, you know, budget deficits and, and mm-hmm. budget cuts that we had, all the tree crew was laid off. Um, and when Denise was here, she really didn't have a tree crew. Um, but luckily, when I came on board, we started to rebuild, and we currently have a staff of uh, four uh, tree workers. And so, and we and every budget request, we ask for a little bit more when we can um obviously we are just one department and there are many departments in the city of chico and we're all fighting for lean tax dollars um but wherever we can we'll try and get more staff and and where we can't get staff we try and leverage that with with grant funding which is something we'll talk about yes but with the increased staff, we are able to uh, provide better service and keep on top of the service requests. So, you know, we currently get about 2,000 service requests a year. Wow, that's and most, most of them are dealt with within the year. But some of them, we, you know, we try and keep it real and we'll tell residents, look, we might not get to your service request in the next two years. And, so- and for that, you know, we have permits where residents can, if they want to, they can... Uh, contract out the work if you like to a local Mm -hmm. free company um you know if they want the work to happen on their time scale and not the city's time scale (laughs) and that's one of the things we have available so how is it how has your job changed over the years have your goals and priorities changed uh since you first got here since you first started in the job right pretty much stayed the same like the general description of my job hasn't changed but the the things i've focused on have and it really relates to the grants that we got and i think we talked about that when i last came on didn't we we talked about the big um, urban and community forestry grant that the city of chico was awarded 
um, that's a climate change investment grant. Um, we got $425,000, and that money is specifically for promoting the urban forest program in the city. Um, so there are various components to that grant. One of the first phases that we looked to get going was a complete new street tree inventory. So basically what that means is that we literally go to every single tree that's owned by the city and we assess that tree. And we take its basic vital statistics, if you like, its uh, uh, diameter, its height, uh, general condition of the tree. You know, is, it, is it in good form? Is it unhealthy? Um, you know, wh wh what's the vigor of that tree? And then from that, we develop a prescription of work. You know, so we, we monitor what exactly does that tree need done to it. Um, so we've been working through the inventory for the last 12 months. Um, the uh, Davy Resource Group is a national uh, tree company that won the award for that contract. Mm -hmm. so they're currently in Chico working their way through. And, and I often get calls from residents where, you know, they see their gentleman stood outside their house with his high-vis vest on and his laptop computer and they, you know, they often ask, what are you doing? You know, it's, well, I'm assessing the tree. You know, so they often have lots of good doorstep conversations. Um, obviously, now in the time of COVID, it's kind of took on a little bit of a different form. But, yeah. um, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's always interesting that, you know, residents want to know what's going on. And, and it, it never ceases to amaze me just how, how vested and interested residents are in the in Chico trees. Mm. So, yeah, yeah we're, we're currently... Uh, we're about 99% finished. Wow. Street tree inventory, yeah. And they're currently in Bidwell Park. Um, they're on currently on Peterson Drive. Every single tree over 12 inches in diameter is being assessed. That is a um, huge and, job. And it, it, it's a huge job, yes. How, it how is many huge. trees yeah. is that? Is Do you have a number? Yes, yeah, so we... Currently, we're running at about 30,000 trees. Wow. That's and great. That's all in, it seems all like within, a lot of trees. That's great. It's a, it's a lot of trees. And when you think about it, that, that's only the publicly owned trees. So it doesn't include backyard trees, you know, trees in private ownership. Um, it, it doesn't include the, the interior parts of some of our, our uh park areas, so the um, the interior of Bidwell Park. Um, so w within those areas, there's probably another 30,000 trees wow. in each of those sectors. Mm -hmm. So we're easily looking at, you know, in total about 100,000 trees within the city limits. So yeah, yeah we, we definitely deserve the, the city moniker of, trees, of yeah. city of trees, <laughs> for sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm just curious, how many of those trees or their uh, ancestors were here before human habitation, was it a radically different landscape, a radically different tree landscape? You know, I expect it was because, you know, before before Europeans arrived, you know, it was probably all native, right? Native mm -hmm. riparian species, you know, the valley oaks and, the, you know, the Oregon ash and, you know, California mm -hmm. sycamore. Mm -hmm. And we still find those in the riparian locations along Bidwell Park, for example. But most of the street trees um, are ornamental, yes. so they're not 
they're not native. Mm-hmm. Um, so typical examples w- would be, for example, California black walnut. You know, it, mm. It's actually not native to this area. Um, and then we have some of the, the uh, uh, exotic uh, trees. So, for example, Chinese pistache. You know, we have a lot of those within the city right of way. Mm-hmm. Um, things like ginkgo, you know, which is uh, uh, Chinese uh, origin. So, mm-hmm. and, and that's what makes Esplanade as beautiful as it looks during the fall. You know, mm-hmm. those beautiful yes. colors mm-hmm. from the ginkgos we have there. So we, we have, we're looking at about 100 different types of tree mm-hmm. that are found within the right-of-way. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there's a handful that, that build up most of the, the pie, if you like. Um, yeah. Richie, I remember from our last conversation, and I was just so surprised, and I have to double-check uh-huh. on this, that you don't like crepe myrtles. Correct. They're so <laughs> pretty. So what? Was, what's your, what's your objection to crepe myrtles? Because I was just about to mention crepe myrtle. You must have read my mind. <laughs> yeah. I, I I like to joke that I like to be known as the crepe murderer. <laughs> um, they're just overused. Oh, um, okay. I mean, yes, they they look pretty. They the beautiful blooms. You can get lots of different varieties. Um, they have their place, for sure. Okay. In someone's front yard, if they want to use them as an accent tree, absolutely. You know, why why not? But in the city right-of-way, we just don't have the bandwidth um, to, to prune them the way that they, they should ah. be pruned mm-hmm. in order to promote the blooms. I understand. You know, so, it, and they're just overused as well. We have way too many cream myrtles. <laughs> they're so pretty. Um, so I'm, I'm always telling developers, please don't specify crate myrtle. <laughs> I'm always telling them, okay, I'll sneak in one or two crate myrtle, but let's try something else as well. Put in some red buds, you know, put yeah, in some red dog bud for sure. Yeah. You know, mi- mix the pollen up a little bit. Because yeah. they are very tough, drought-hardy trees, you know, so developers and landscape architects love them because they're a sure thing, you know. Hmm. But, um, you know, later on we'll we'll talk about climate change and mm-hmm. we'll... we'll yeah. I'll, tell you what's probably going to happen to crepe myrtle so okay. I'm, it's good news for me you know considering mm-hmm. that i'm not that keen on them but um, <laughs> yeah they're just overused you know we we want to try and promote some diversity mm-hmm. um you know the old cliche putting your, all your eggs in one basket mm-hmm. you know we don't want to have too much of any one species mm-hmm. um because there's so many things that can happen that are beyond our control that would be detrimental to the urban forest, you know, right. thinking of pests and diseases and, you know, uh, you know, there's all kinds of things that, that are, at, are attacking the urban forest. So, you know, if, if the next exotic bug that, that hits our area, if it has a, if it has a pallet for great myrtle, well, we're going to be in a little bit of trouble because we're going to lose a lot of our trees, you know, because mm-hmm. we have uh, a lot of great myrtle. That so, makes a lot of yeah. sense. Yeah. So what's in the works as you move forward? So right now, one of the recent things we did was we awarded a tree maintenance contract to a company uh, based out of Anaheim, actually, but they they have a base in Sacramento, and they're called West Coast Arborist. Um, Some of your listeners might have seen them around town. Uh, You may have seen the white X's appearing on one or two trees that look very dead 
Um, so they're currently removing trees that are just totally dead, you know, and need to come down. Um, so they've been working on a few trees in the avenues um, and also the streets area around Chapman. Um, and they'll be moving out to other areas in the city as, as we distribute work orders to them. Um, in-house, we're looking to start a, a what we call a grid prune in the downtown business area. So all of the street trees that you see in that business quarter, we're hoping to give them all a haircut, um, give them a prune. It's been a while since they've had a prune. Um, so really just trying to bring them back into into maintenance mm-hmm. um, you know, as we all know we're, we're all going through some tough times right now with, with COVID and business closures and you know we're, we're all having to change the way we do things and uh, you know a lot of local businesses are being hit hard so you know the best thing that you know we we can do is at least trim the trees so if everyone's sitting outside you know at least we have a, a more attractive uh, landscape mm-hmm. you know, as you're you know dining out or whatnot downtown then uh, you know we can we can do our part and, and trim those trees up. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things. Um, one thing I'd like to mention as well is a, is a byproduct of the free contract. We're now giving away and delivering to people's doors free mulch, um, and it's proven to be pretty pretty popular for the for those that have found out about it. We we haven't officially uh, advertised it yet, but I'm happy to to talk about it because if any of your listeners want to get a load of free wood mulch, um, there's now a pretty easy way to do it in Chico. So our contractor has uh, signed up to there's a website and it's called getchipdrop.com, and if uh, listeners sign up to that website, you can get yourself on the list to get a free consignment of uh, wood chip. Wow, that's uh, That's a great deal. I don't suppose you yeah, come up to Yankee totally Hill. Yeah, free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just in Chico. Just in, well, you know, they, they'll actually deliver, I, I don't know what the limits are, but, you know, it, it, it costs money for, for wood contractors to dispose of chip, mm-hmm. and they'd really rather see it put to use. Yes. And it, right. I mean, it's, it's the ultimate win-win, because, you know, mm-hmm. our, our chip, you know, it, it, for all the green thumb folks listening, we all know that wood chip is pretty much the best thing yeah. yes. but in a yard. You know, we we don't want to put organic uh, products down if possible. Uh, sorry, inorganic products. Mm-hmm. Uh, wood chip is just the best thing. You know, yes. best top yes. dressing that you can put. Steve so, is a big fan of I'm a big mulcher. The county dropped off a couple loads where they when they were working on our street. They said we don't want to haul this stuff. Right. All the way to town and back, and uh, yeah, it's a great lot of stuff. Chips. Yeah. We read in the newspaper, Richie, that you're working on partnering with the Butte County Local Food Network on fruit tree gleaning. Could you tell yeah. us a little bit about that and then how it's going to work out? Absolutely. So, yeah, one of the uh, products of our street tree inventory is that we now have a better idea of how many fruit trees we have growing in the right of way, and uh, it it's it's surprising you know we have over 200 fruit trees growing in the right of way and currently you know the the city isn't doing anything with that fruit you know we we don't have the bandwidth you know we're we're Mm -hmm. not in the the fruit orchard business um however a lot of these trees they are historical and and people have told me that they you know are linked back to to bidwell himself 
but you know it was it was his design and he deliberately planted various fruit trees you know back then they, they would have had a real purpose you know people were picking these the, the fruit but you know nowadays you know we it, it a lot of it just ends up in the storm drain yeah you know? mm-hmm. but the interesting thing is that we know there's a market for it because everything within arm's reach is gone <laughs> Anytime I try and pick one, I, I always have to use a fruit picker, you know, to reach up into the canopy. So <laughs> people are picking the fruit, you know, and, and that's great. So it, we got in touch with Butte County Local Food Network, and, you know, we just put it out there and said, hey, is there a way that we could glean some of this fruit and just put it into the hands of people that want it? And uh, so I'm currently... Uh, we're currently in discussions with uh, BC's local food network, um, and they're looking to put together a couple of volunteer days to yeah. glean some of the city fruit trees. Um, and they they already have the you know good distribution channels um, yes. to put that fruit to good use. Yes. You know to give it give it to people that that need it. Maybe they're on low incomes or you know, even distribute it to the farmer's market and sell it there, you know, and, and use that money for other causes. So, you know, it's it's really my wish to see this fruit put to good use, you know. Um, I mean, we, you know, we food insecurity is a real thing. You know, it, it, it's a problem that we have in Butte County. Now, the city fruit trees by themselves are not going to solve that problem, but, you know, it it's a tool in the box. And That's right. we have this... We have this massive resource that's currently literally going to waste. Um, so, so I'm excited to to uh, go down this road with Butte County Local Food Network, and um, we're looking to uh, possibly try and get a some volunteer days scheduled for the fall. Um, some of the fruit trees that we're looking to target first are some of the persimmon trees that we have. Yes. Yes. So we we have a lot of we have both types of persimmon. Um, as you know, there's the, what are they now, the Fuyu, that's the one you can eat, isn't it? And I forget the name of the other one, the one that you can cook with, you know, the different uses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, don't, we, I don't We, we have We have all of them, so, so yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll watch this space, and, and uh, Bucani Local Food have got a really great website, so they'll be uh, advertising their volunteer events uh, when we're ready to do that. Right. I know and that we'll they're just, their just link. wrapping up. Yeah, they're just wrapping up their uh, garden blitz. Mm-hmm. They just um, yeah. made, I think it was 100 garden boxes for yeah. people up in the Concow area, or people mm-hmm. affected by the campfire. So that's really great. So they, they so they have a track record of getting things done. So right. I'm excited to be working with them on this. This is Ecotopia on KZFR. We're talking with Richie Bamlett. He's the urban forest manager for Chico. And when we get back, we're going to ask him a little bit about how climate change is affecting trees and their future. This is Ecotopia. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in just a moment. This is Ecotopia on KZFR 90.1 Chico, and we're talking with Richie Bamlett. He's the urban forester for the city of Chico. We want to talk a little bit about climate change, uh, but before we do, you mentioned that you might have some interns working on your projects uh, let us know how that is going, please. Sure, yeah. Currently, in conjunction with Butte Environmental Council, and as part of the Urban Forestry Grant that I talked about earlier, uh, we have funding to take on two interns 
Um, so currently we we just recruited and we have two interns that will be starting next week actually. Um, Ashley Ann Becker and Gianna Anselmo. Uh, currently they're both uh, 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 USC. Uh, Chico uh, State students. Ann, yeah, Chico State. Thank you. Chico <laughs> State is a graduate uh, doing wildland wildland management. Oh, nice. And uh, Gianna is a uh, studying for her. Uh, bachelor degree in communication studies so we've got a, a great team put together so yeah we're excited to bring them on board and they'll be working for 12 weeks and uh, some of their first uh, projects will be helping with the fall planting season so we're looking to uh, do another run at uh, tree planting within Chico so you know they'll be helping to reach out to residents and make sure that we are planting trees that you know, residents want to see and that residents uh, agree to water the tree as well. Nice, uh, yeah. That, that's something that will we'll kind of segues into some of the climate change discussions that yes. we'll have. Yes. Yeah, water's going to be key. Um, uh, another article we read that you uh, were quoted in is um, how you are considering climate change as you think of the future needs, tree needs for Chico. Can you tell us more about... Uh, how your thinking goes on that. Sure. So, you know, it, it, it's interesting because, you know, w- whether or not you believe if, if climate change is man-made or it's just a natural phenomena, you know, putting the politics aside, the fact is it's getting hotter. You know, mm-hmm. We all agree on that. It, it's, Chico's already as hot as the sun, and it's going to get hotter. Um, and I've been... I've been looking at some interesting research that's been getting done. Um, one particular research that really caught my eye was uh, done by the uh, University of California Agriculture and Natural Resources Division. And what they did was they looked at trees that grow in... It, it's this idea of assisted migration. Right? So it, they, they looked at trees that are currently growing in areas where... It's as hot as it's going to get in, in mm. Chico mm-hmm. in 100 years' time. In fact, they did this for all of California. So as an example, um, you know, it, the, the climate in Chico in the year 2099, looking at all the models, is kind of going to be similar to El Centro, which is on the border of Mexico. Right? So that's 700 miles further south from where we are now. Mm-hmm. It, their climate today is what we can look forward to in 2099, um, which is kind of sobering. You know, that yeah. that's how hot it's going to get, you know. Yeah. So from the tree growing point of view, what, what this research, what, what these researchers did was looked at, it's, it's a simple concept. Let's look at what's growing in El Centro now um, and see if those could actually be planted in in Chico, you know, and, and they did this. I'm, I'm mentioning Chico, but it was, you know, there was, there was 16 different cities across um, California. And then the flip side is looked at, well, the trees that are growing here, will they survive? If, if we were to move them down to El Centro, would they survive? Well, guess what? The, the research was startling. Basically, no ornamental trees that are growing in Chico now will probably be able to be grown here in 2099. Mm. So crepe myrtles so, will be out. 
milk crate myrtle. Woo-hoo. So that's, you know, that's the flip side. Now, that's amazing because, you know, crate myrtles are pretty hardy. You know, they're, they're well known as being drought tolerant, you know, once they're established. Um, but it it's going to get super hot here. And it's not just the temperature. You know, there's a lot of really highly scientific variables that we, we look at. You know, we've got we have a list here of some of the things that were looked at in the model. We've got, um, you know, annual precipitation and then broken down by summer precipitation, the coldest month, the hottest average temperature, humidity, the, you know, the difference between, you know, summer rainfall in various months. And, you know, it, it just lots of lots of different variables. Could we and ask a little bit models. about the rainfall? We've heard conflicting models, one that says we might well get more rain in the future. Does your your statistics show anything promising along those lines? Yeah, and I, I would, anyone that's really interested in the science of climate change, um, and if they're that way inclined, I would, I would encourage anyone to look on the, the great website, caladapt.org, I think it's a .org extension, but in that, on that website, you can basically run your own models. You, know, you can type in huh. different variables, and you can kind of see, you know, because the, uh, there's many different models. There's not just one model. Um, it's kind of like when you see, you know, hurricane models, you know, the spaghetti noodle mm-hmm. maps that you see. They're all slightly different, but together they kind of show a pattern, you know, a general trend. And, yes, there's some conflict about, you know, or some disagreement about the, the you know, precipitation, but... I think there's general agreement that it's it's going to get hotter, and the pattern of rainfall is going to change as well. So mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. It, it seems like we're going to get a, a lot. The rain we're going to get is going to be in the cooler months, and in the summer it's going to be bone dry. Mm-hmm. The snowpack will vastly reduce, and yes. as we know, about a third of our water supplies from the snowpack. Mm-hmm. Um, so water's going to become scarce, um, and then add in the heat um, and the d- changes in wind and humidity. Um, it, it, it's going to become pretty uh, tough place to try and grow vegetation without supplemental water. Um, and if supplement, if, if irrigation water is in, in high demand, you know, th- there's going to be increasing pressure from the public to look for you know different landscapes. You know, this idea of, you know, the English Rose Garden. Yeah. Let me tell you, you know, I'm I'm from the UK. We don't have English Rose Gardens in the UK. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, let's put that aside. Um, So we need to be looking at areas that have that climate today, you know, and and ask, ask a simple question, you know, to distill it into its simplest form. What are they growing now? You know, what works? Um... I've been doing a little bit of that research as well, and the the two interns that I mentioned, Ashley Ann and Gianna, one of their projects will be to take a deep dive into the the programs, uh, the models, and start looking through the botanical literature to see what could we grow in Chico, you know? So um, I I have some uh, examples that I can mention later, because I know you want to ask about... uh, oak trees and, and things, you know, because you live up in the yeah. uh, 
That was just kind of a selfish question. But um, (laughs) I was talking with people, um, a friend of mine who's very knowledgeable environmentalists, and he said oak trees should be fine because they have such a deep taproot. What do you think? Well, there's a thing called phenotypic plasticity, right? So So that's the science word, the science phrase. So what it means is that you know, every, everything has an innate, you know, range to deal with stress. So, right. you know, to do with heat, you know, as I mentioned, you know, the example of myself, you know, I'm, I'm from the UK and we, we don't typically get, you know, endless days over 100 degrees. But right. I, I can deal with it, you know, because I have it within my genetic makeup to deal with extreme heat. And most humans do. Mm-hmm. And trees are the same. However, we, we reach a point where we exceed that phenotypic plasticity. Um, you know, we all, you know, general, you know, knowledge is that uh, native trees are more hardy, you know, more drought resistant. But let me tell you, native trees still need water, you know. Right. Um, you know, ri- riparian woodlands, that they're there because they have water, you know, so... You know, it, I, I've heard reports where the water table is actually going to drop. Yes. So if the, if it does drop, you know, could those tap roots reach that water? I think they might not be able to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and just factor in the the extra heat load on those trees. You know, it may be that you know even some of our native trees that are currently growing in our area just can't handle this extreme heat. Um, so. You know, as an example, you know, I, w- one of the things I did was, um, you know, to look at, say, valley oak. Okay, so that, that's uh, probably the commonest oak tree that we have. We all know it's native. And when you look at the range of valley oak, you know, it, it's pretty well distributed through California, you know, in, in our, uh, you know, in the valley, um, you know, going up into the foothills and, you know, it goes down past Bakersfield, you know, when you, when you look at the range map of right. valley oak. However... You know, trees don't move. So, if 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 that if the ability of a tree currently growing in Butte County cannot deal with endless days where it's you know it's over 110, you know the water table has dropped, you know 10 feet below that taproot, that tree is going to be in trouble. Yeah. So one of the things we're looking at is well, perhaps valley oaks currently growing south of Bakersfield, maybe they will survive the heat. Because it's like that now. You know, it's as hot now as it is uh-huh. going to be in Chico in 2099. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things we're looking at. And that simply means, you know, collecting acorns from the, the natural range to the south of us. Um, w- one of the models that I've seen, again, to go back to Valley Oak, is that it, its range is projected, projected to change. You know, some of it will actually die out, you know, because, you know, every tree... Um, you know, it's got certain choices. You know, it can't move, so it's either going to adapt or adapt or die, basically. You know, if the tree just can't deal with the new temperature, it can't get up and move. No, right. Um, so, if, you know, if it, if the taproot can't access water or if uh, we don't supply enough supplemental water, um, which you have to be careful with valley oak anyway. Yes. Um, so, if you know, if we can't, you know, replace those stresses or cancel them out, and we can end up with with quite a different uh, 
a forest in, in 2099. Mm-hmm. So that, that's some of the things that we've been looking at. So, you know, we, we've been looking at, you know, what, what oak trees currently grow in, in those areas that get super hot now. And it's kind of interesting. And I have a list of oak trees that I'll share with you. And, uh, you know, if you're looking at, at, at perhaps trying different oak tree species, um, we have a provisional list that, oh, that okay. we are going to look and, and, and sample them. You know, one of the ideas we have is to have a climate change arboretum um, and just try a few, just plant some. You know, let's let's plant some and see what happens to them. You know, mm-hmm. and if, if they don't live, well, that's that's a valid outcome to the experiment. And we know not to plant anymore. So, right. Yeah, so it's a you know it's an exciting thing that we're 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 looking to get going now. So, so your interns, you and your interns, are working on understanding this. Is there? How are you integrating this knowledge into your planning? Uh, do you have experiments like this going? So we currently don't have any going, but th- so that's something that we're looking to do. So we do want to try and at least sample some uh, new species that are currently not found in our area. Um, we also w- want to bring some acorns from areas to the south of us, and not just for the native trees, but r- really for the trees that are already adapted to the you know the Mediterranean climate that we have. Um, so some examples are cork oak, for example. Although it's not native, but what is we, it called? we have a lot. Yeah, I, I love the cork oaks, especially the big ones that you see along the Esplanade. Um, that, that's a very hardy tree that, that is already very well suited to the really brutally hot Mediterranean climate. So we're looking to, to cultivate some of those that are from the range south of us. Um, and I've personally collected acorns in the Bakersfield area and Fresno area. Um, holly oak as well. We have a few of those growing in our yard in public works. Um, but there are some other species that, you know, we are uh, mainly found in the mountains of Mexico. So huh? I'm not going okay. down to the mountains of Mexico to collect acorns. <laughs> Good <laughs> but, idea. But, but luckily, um, some of these are commercially available in nurseries in California. Um, so we are looking to uh, at least acquire some you know, a couple of dozen of these trees, and let's see how they do. Let's plant them, and uh, we'll we'll make a long-term experiment out of it. And if we think, you know, that's the way to go, then we'll we'll introduce them into the the right of way and and look to plant them. But you know, it, it it we try and use the best science that we have available, and you know, we've all seen the models, and as you've mentioned, Susan, some of them are in conflict because we really don't know. But one. One thing that, that does seem to come out of the models where there's disagreement, and if you think about this, you, you'll, you'll realize this to be true, what usually transpires is the worst-case scenario. Right. So, you know, we have these models and, you know, range from, you know, bad, pretty bad and atrocious, and it mm-hmm. seems to be that the atrocious is what actually happens. Yeah. So, you know, if that pattern continues, you know, we'll be, you know, we can look forward to really really rudely hot summers and you know, dry dry winters with with hardly any snow and uh yeah it, it, it's it's going to be interesting from from a you know a, a you know landscape perspective you know what, what what's our landscape going to look like you know 
are we going to have cactus everywhere? You know, I, are we are we going to end up looking like Arizona? You know, I don't think so. I don't think it's quite that bad. At least by 2099, um, you know, hopefully by then we'll have uh, got a grip on climate change and you know greenhouse gases, and you know we can try to hold back if you know if we don't reach that that capitulation point where you know it's it's there's no going back, so to speak. Um, but yeah, we 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 really don't know. But we we just try and you know use the the best science that's available, and um, you know it, yeah that that's really all we can do. But you know I guess we can all you know take our individual responsibility and and, and try and reduce you know our our greenhouse gas footprint. Um, part part of the grant is is actually involved in trying to store carbon in the trees that we grow but also to strategically place them uh, outside people's homes so that they cast shade onto their house and that reduces their air, air conditioning and heating needs and right. that offsets the carbon footprint and it reduces uh, results in a lower PG&E bill as well so that can't be bad right can you help us imagine a little bit th- what the city's going to look like over these next 75 years uh, you talk about 30,000 trees, most of which will probably die of w- for one reason or another over that time. Uh, and then you start planting baby trees where the, the giant trees were. Is there going to be a time when the city looks kind of barren as the new ones uh, take root? You know, hopefully not. So, you know, part of the grant I- involves replanting, and, and we've started already. Um, in this current grant cycle, we are planting 700 new street trees. Mm-hmm. Um, but w- one of one of the uh, sobering uh, results that we got from the inventory was the number of vacant tree planting positions that we have now in the right of way. And uh, let, let's play a little game. Let's see if you can guess how many vacant tree planting spots we have in Chico. So, so who wants to start? Okay. Give me a guess. Okay, um, a hundred. And, and I'll say higher or lower. Higher. Okay. 752. Yeah, higher. <laughs> higher? Wow. Yeah. A thousand? Higher. Oh, my goodness. Okay, you tell us. 8,700. My goodness. We were close. No. <laughs> you were close. You yeah, were close. close. <laughs> Not close. So, so the goal yeah, is it, then to get the right trees in those places? Right, right. Get the right tree in the, those places. And as you alluded, you know, that, you know, currently, you know, we have a lot of old trees. Trees don't live forever. Right. And especially in the, uh, you know, right-of-way landscape, you know, we, it's officially called the park strip. I, I call it the hell strip because it's, <laughs> it's the brutally tough place to plant trees. Oh, okay. Um, you know there is there is a call to plant more native trees. Right. Um, I'm a big fan of native trees, but it's super tough to get native trees growing in in the hell strip. Mm-hmm. Um, very slow growing, but you know I do plant native wherever I can because I think right now, you know, in in the face of uncertainty about you know what what is the right answer, you know, what tree should we be planting? You know, I think native is certainly uh, it's a good it's a good bet to to try and focus on natives um but but yeah we 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 you know if we invest all the 
the money that we need to to plant 8,700 new trees, we need to do our best to make sure that they're actually going to live. Yes. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, and currently we don't really have an answer. You know, if, if you're asking what, what species should we be planting, um, you know, for to make sure that the trees that are actually going to survive these brutal temperatures we're going to look forward to. Um, we, we don't really know, but we, we have some good ideas, but right now it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's an experiment. You know, it hasn't been tested. It hasn't been tested anywhere. Right. Um, Sacramento has a couple of experiments going, and uh, it, it, it's funny, when I look at the, the species that Sacramento is looking to sample, um, when I mentioned the tree species list to the Chico State botany professor, uh, Christina Scharenbeck, mm-hmm. um, he said, I am not happy with any of those trees. So, <gasps> oh, my gosh. Oh, no. Like, well, it, you know, it's not my fault, but, you know, if it looks like, you know, desert willow is going to be the one of the best resilient trees to plant, well, that that's what plant science it. is yeah. telling us. Right. Um, yeah, and there's, I, I forget off the top of my head what was on the list, but there, there were a lot of trees typically found in Arizona. Um, you know, some of some of the, the oaks that I've looked at, for example, um, let's see, I've got a few in front of me now. So as an example, um, let's look at the oaks. Quercus rugosa, okay? Now, you've probably never heard of that. Netleaf oak, um, right at the border with... Mexico, and it grows right through the Mexican mountains all the way down to Mexico City. So that wow, tree is yeah. an example. is something that right now can deal with the brutal hot temperatures that we are going to get. Um, but the interesting thing is it probably couldn't deal with the temperature we have now in Chico. So you know, we have to oh, find okay. trees that, that have enough range, genetic range to be able to deal with now and then. Yeah. Right. So, it, so it's a question of carefully timing the planting as well, you know. So, yeah, we, ha- we have to be real careful. Some of the trees we're planting today in 2020 might not live more than 50 or 60 years. So, you know, they'll, be, they'll continually be recycled. You know, this idea of remove and, re- and replace. You know, so when we remove a tree, we should replant it. But right. as, as we get more and more data... As we can see for for sure what the temperature is, then we can kind of adaptively change the the tree planting palette that we have in Chico. Right. Yeah. Right. Right now, if you if you ask me, what what will the tree palette look like in 2099? All I could do is guess, you know, because I, I I really don't know. Um, we're going to want you, to you, Richie. We're a little short on time. We want you to come back because there is so much more to learn, and we're thinking also that the interns, once they've completed some of their yeah. research, could come in and give us more data uh, right. to work on. I was thinking also that would be great at-home research for high school students. Get on those yes. who are trapped at home doing distance learning. They might uh, want to go on the, on the website. Absolutely, yeah. Well, thank you for being with us. I'm sorry we have to rush it in yeah. these last couple of minutes. Um, no Richie Bamlett is uh, the Urban Forest Manager of the City of Chico. And yes, we appreciate your knowledge so much. And thank you so much for joining us. We'll have you back. Thank you, Susan. You take care. You too. Mm-hmm.